One of my desires as a pastor is that each and every one of us would walk in God's power and plan for your life right now. God doesn't live in time and space. God is eternal. Everything in God's world is now. He doesn't have yesterday. He doesn't have tomorrow. He only has now. He sees everything. He's the beginning and the end. What does that look like in our life? This is the Now Principle with Pastor Chris Gleason, lead pastor of Revolution, a four-square church that meets in Harvard Square, Cambridge, Mass. Join us today as we step into the Now Principle with Pastor Chris, where we ask the question, what will you let God do right now? Let me tell you, God does not look at us the way we look at one another. God does not judge us the way we judge one another. And he says, you, you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're called. So the question is not whether or not you have been called. Because there's just a few verses I could give you a lot more. Every one of us have been called. The question is, will we accept the call? Will we accept the call? It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Listen to verse 4. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. Again, we are called to be holy, to be set apart for his purposes, for his plan. If you look in, if you've ever read the book of 1 Samuel, it tells actually about the namesake of the book, Samuel. Samuel's mother was a woman named Hannah. So she was married to a man and he had two wives. What's that? Yeah, there's your first problem. Amen to that. (laughs) But he had two wives. And the other wife was very fruitful, had many kids. Gave the husband many sons, which was like the really big deal. But many children, Hannah could not get pregnant. She was barren. And so every year they would make a trek to the temple. And she would bring a sacrifice and she would pray and say, God, give me a child. Because as a woman in that time, if you did not have a child, you were nothing. You had no value. You couldn't bring your husband a child, especially a son. You had no value. So even though her husband loved her, she felt she had no value. She's pouring out her heart to God and she says, God, if you will give me a child, I'll dedicate him back to you. Well, it says that the prophet sees her and she's weeping and crying and he thinks she's drunk. So he comes and he's mad at her. He's like, how could you be drunk in the house of God? And and she says, no, no. And she tells him. And he says, whatever you were praying for, God's heard your prayer. Sure enough, she goes home. God opens her womb, she gets pregnant. 
The next year, the child is just, you know, a little baby. So she says, I'm not going to the temple. I'm not going to the temple for several years. Says when he was weaned, she says, okay, I'm going. And says, then she brings Samuel. He's a young little boy. Brings him to the temple and, and follows through on her promise to God. Now, I don't know about you, but I know there are some times I've made promises to God and I didn't keep them. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, you're, you're desperate. You, you have no value in this culture. And so you're like, God, give me a child. Give me a son and I'll give him back to you. And God gives you a child and now you have to honor that. Could you imagine? I cannot imagine bringing our son Royce and leaving him with some strange person who I don't know and entrusting them to raise him. But that's what she does. She brings her son and honors her promise to God. And Samuel, he's a young man. And, and this I want to read this part of the story because it's very significant. I think it's something that God would say to us. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 3. I'm going to read just 10 verses. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. He was a prophet. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And if you read the whole book of 1 Samuel, you'll see why. Because Eli and especially his sons were, you know, not honoring God. Verse 2 says, One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. It's important. Understand, he was, he was lying where the presence of God was. There's something that's important for us to hear with that. He wasn't lying in front of the TV. He wasn't lying in front of the computer. He was lying in the presence of God. There is something to be said when we actually spend time in the presence of God. See, we're, we're fortunate that we live after Christ came and it says that the Holy Spirit now lives in us. That we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. We no longer have to go into a physical place. The Holy Spirit has come to live within us. So wherever we go, God's presence is there. But so many times we're focused in so many other directions and so many other things, we don't even spend time being in His presence. Then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as all the other times. Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. He's been dedicated before his birth to serve God. His mom made a commitment. She's followed through on that commitment. So here's a little kid and all he knows is he's now living in the temple. He's serving this guy named Eli who's the priest. That's all I know. It says the Lord's not even spoken to him yet. His whole life has been dedicated 
to honor God. When we ask Christ to come into our life, what we often even use the word that we are dedicating, or if you've walked back away from God and you come back, we say you're rededicating your life to Christ. This is what it's talking about. But it doesn't mean that we're always listening. It doesn't mean that we're always in the presence of God with our ears open. But what God wants to hear is the same thing he was looking for from Samuel. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We've all been called. I'm going to close today. Just <laughs> There's three other, two other questions. We're not going to get to them today. But I'm going to close just reading a section out of Joshua. I love the book of Joshua. If you've never read the book of Joshua, you need to go and read the book of Joshua. It's in the Old Testament. Because it's the story of when the children of Israel, after being brought out of 450 years of slavery, that they didn't obey God and they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years, and then Joshua got to bring them into the promised land. And it tells that story. It tells what happens in that story. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, it says that after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I'll give you every place you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right nor to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. This is a promise that God makes to Joshua. I love that. Because this is what I believe. I believe when we choose to walk and the calling that God has for us, He says the same thing to us. Be strong. Be courageous. Wherever you go, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And then this is what happens. A couple of chapters over. Joshua chapter 3. Verse 10. It says, this is how you will know that the living God is among you, that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan's at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. 
They piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. I'm going to close with just this thought. See, the the second question I'm going to ask next week is, will you stand in your calling? Some of you are going, well, I don't even know what my calling is. Well, here's, here's the big question. You may not know until it happens. I think of firemen, I think of police officers, I think of military personnel, that they're trained for very specific things. But they never know when it'll happen. I've got friends that are firefighters and they might, they might work for a month and never have anything significant happen. They might go because there was a small car accident or, you know, somebody's alarm goes off or whatever. But when that big thing happens, they get a call and somebody's in cardiac arrest. They better not be in a place where go, oh man, dude, I wish I'd have paid more attention in that class. No, they have to be ready right now. When the alarm goes off, bam, they're down the pole, they're in their clothes, they're out. They're out the door in a matter of a couple of minutes. What I believe is that God prepares us for the things He calls us to every single day. Every single day. Here are 12 priests. We don't know how long they've been priests. They may have been priests Since they were kids. Because we do know that all the old people, they died in the wilderness. They don't get to go in the promised land. So they had to be younger people. In their 40s, 50s, or younger. I call that younger because I'm 49. (laughs) They were young men. (laughs) But who knows what they've done up to now. They've probably done their priestly duties fine. It's like a fireman. They probably have done whatever they had to do just fine. But today is a new day. They said, when you carry the Ark of the Covenant, when your feet hit the edge of the water, the water is going to stop upstream and it's going to pile up back way up there a ways and you're going to walk across in dry land. And here's what happened. They stood in the middle of the river, holding the Ark of the Covenant until every single person passed. We don't know exactly how many people was there were, but there are estimates that there were at least 3 million people. How many of you know they were holding the Ark for a little while? They weren't riding chariots. They weren't on horses. They were walking with all kinds of animals and, you know, the whole deal. My question, which we'll talk more about next week, is will you stand in your calling? It says this in chapter 4 of Joshua, verse 10. Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people. Just as Moses had directed Joshua, the people hurried over and as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priest came to the other side while the people watched. I can't help but wonder what was going through their mind. 
It says the people hurried across. In other words, we're not sure how long this is going to stay. So we're getting across as fast as we possibly can. The whole time, they're just standing there. This is what God wants us to hear. Now. 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 Is the time to walk in your calling. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, now. You say, well, I'm not sure what that is. Be faithful where you are. Lie in the Lord's presence. When the Lord speaks, say, here I am, your servant is listening. When you pick up the word of God, say, God, speak to me. I really doubt anybody in all the test of time ever was ready at the moment they had to stand. They just stood. Those priests didn't know what was going on. Joshua just said, okay, you, 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 you. Okay, pick up the ark, let's go. And they had to believe that as they stood there, that God's word was true. There is unbelievable potential for God's kingdom sitting in this room. But the question is, will you stand? See, I'm not sure where to stand. Well, I can tell you, you'll know. It tells us this in Psalm 1. Stand not, or sit not in the seat of the scornful, stand not in the way of sinners. But blessed is the man who meditates on his word day and night, who's like a tree planted by the rivers of water, who gives forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. I can tell you the places where we shouldn't stand or we shouldn't sit. It's the places where God doesn't live. When we spend more time in his presence then we don't want to be in the places where he doesn't live. And when we're there, we're there because we're going to stand for God. See, I'd love to see more of us stand in the places that desperately need to see the heart of God. But we go there not to impress people, not to be accepted by people, but to stand in love to demonstrate the heart of God. What do we do when that friend tells a joke that denigrates a person or a group of people? What do we do when a professor mocks the very name of Christ? What do we do when a classmate or a fellow worker derides God or people or whatever uses the Lord's name in vain. Now again, we don't walk in arrogance. We don't walk in pride. But what does it mean to stand in loving righteousness? I can guarantee you if somebody was talking about your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your good friend in a way that was demeaning, you would say something. 
And it would not be considered arrogant. You would simply be standing up for people that you love. I think for too long we've allowed the world to dictate what God would call us to do. I'm not here to tell you what to do. But are we willing when God says, stand? But Lord, the Jordan River is at flood stage. There's three million people got to cross this river. Yeah, stand. Stand. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment? What does it mean to live a life worthy of the calling that we've been given? We've already said that it's not, a, it's not a life of guilt or condemnation. It's not about anyone telling you what you do or don't do. But it's really, really a heart that's humbled before God. That says, I want to live a life so well before people that they'd see the love of God. They'd see the love of Christ. Before we end today, before we finish, I want to ask if there would be anyone here. You're sitting here and you go, you know what? That sounds pretty awesome. I want to live a life worthy of the calling I've been given. I want to, I want to live a life that makes a difference. But I'm not even sure where to start. Well, let me tell you the starting place. Is what we've already talked about. Asking Christ in. Inviting Him in. Asking Him to forgive you for your sins. Accepting and acknowledging Him as your Savior. Knowing that then He forgives you for all your sins. He promises and guarantees you eternal life with Him. Would there be anybody today that would say, Yeah, you know what, Chris, that's me. Would raise your hand and say, yes, I want to make that decision today. I want to make that proclamation. I want to invite Jesus Christ in today. Is there anyone that would say, yes, today, I want to let the love of Christ fill me? Lord God, there's something here that stirs me. And I pray it stirs all of us that you've called us. You've chosen us. You've set us apart for your purposes. You said we're called to be holy, to be set apart. Your word promises that you chose us even before we were conceived. You know us. You love us. May we walk in the calling you have for us. Lord, in every moment of every day, realizing sometimes that those are small ways, sometimes they're big ways, but it doesn't matter. May you help us to stand in every one of those. God, not with condemnation, not with arrogance, but God with strength, with courage, with boldness, and with humility. 
God, that we may be the hands and feet of Jesus. That we may be like those 12 priests standing in the midst of the Jordan River, watching the hand of God move. May we be like Samuel lying in the presence of God. And when you say, Samuel, or you call our name, may we say, Lord, your servant is listening. Help us to walk that out, Lord. We pray it in your name. Amen. You've been listening to The Now Principle with Pastor Chris Gleason, the radio ministry of Revolution Church, where we are committed to being grounded in His Word and empowered by His Spirit. We invite you to visit us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. We meet at Leslie University's Brattle Campus in the Washburn Lounge, located at 10 Phillips Place, Cambridge, Mass. If you would like prayer or more information, call 617-441-0777 or visit hearlistenobey.com. This is a listener-supported program, and if you would like to partner with us, we invite you to go to hearlistenobey.com as we stand for God's Word and God's Spirit in Harvard Square.